0: So as we prepare to dive into our message, last week we took an assessment of how much joy we feel, uh, how joyful of a person that we are. And I asked you to think, write down one to 10 where you were at. And then I issued a challenge to each of us to do whatever it takes to increase our sense of joy uh, by one this week. So I'd love to hear from you. How did you do in that this past week? Be honest. I'll be honest. Um, for me, probably like for a lot of you, it was actually really tough this week. See, I'm a I'm a joyful dude. Um, I'm 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 very joyful. If you were to describe me to someone, oftentimes uh, joy may be joyful may be a word that you would use. I live at like a seven eight. Or nine in the joy range typically. But this week was really tough, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes. But I still worked towards it. And despite my circumstances, I was still able to cling to joy. I don't think my number increased at all this week, but I did hold steady, and I consider that a victory. Uh, The ways I saw joy clearly displayed this week, um, as I reflect on it, were in the quiet moments. Oh, I desperately needed quiet still moments this week um, in between the news and the busyness and, and everything else. Those have become increasingly important and increasingly a greater gift. I also saw joy in my wife who did truly incredible, caring for three young children while I was back fully at work. Uh, She did an incredible job doing that and that brought me joy to see her step into her full calling as a mom. And then I also received joy as I watched Crosby and Miles, each on their own balance bike, having so much fun and their faces just radiating with joy on their bikes. And I felt that the joy of a child became my joy, just like the joy of God our Father that he has for us when he watches us take important next steps. So how about you? How did you do? Were you able to make any headway or stay steady within your joy this week? I'd love for you to share or at least jot it down and reflect on that. And then hang on to that challenge for this week ahead as well. Because that is something for us to always strive towards. Because this is a challenge for us to not get discouraged if our number doesn't go up, and just stay consistent in your path towards seeking joy. Yeah, as you are actively seeking joy, uh, God will bless your efforts. And remember, joy isn't um, joy isn't. It doesn't always look like a big smile on your face. <laughs> Sometimes it's simply holding on to the quiet. Confidence assurance of God's love and work in our lives. So our series is discovering joy. Last week was about joy and suffering. We talked about how there's nothing selfish or private about joy and that the source of our joy is Jesus Christ and as we draw near to him He draws near to us and we can experience that joy more fully and also that joy transcends circumstance. And as I alluded to, this week, uh, just being fully honest, living into our value of courageous authenticity, which includes vulnerability, this week, it was a legitimate struggle to remember that joy transcends circumstance. This was a tough week for our world. Who's there with me? There's so much going on. At times, it felt like my heart couldn't take it this week we were all reminded very clearly that violence leads to increased violence death leads to more death hatred leads to more hatred and this is the reality that we live in that we need to name today what happened to George Floyd was wrong No child of God should ever be treated that way. No one created in the image of God should ever be treated that way by anybody. And we know this is just one example, the most recent public example of something that has been going on in this world forever. The injustice, useless violence, murder, prejudice, and yes, racism and I want to name it and say it publicly here today, racism or any blanket hatred for any people group is downright wrong and outside of the ways of God. My heart aches for our black brothers and sisters whose experience through life is significantly different than mine, simply because of the systems and the power structures in place And the color of their skin. I am praying daily for men and women and kids with different skin color than mine who live with this kind of racial inequality each and every day. So we name that, that yes, racism still exists. But my heart also aches For the good, hard-working, selfless police officers that put their lives on the line (laughs) out of a heart to serve and protect their families, their friends, their communities day after day. For those that would never do something like what was done to George Floyd, but now are placed in even further danger simply because of the hateful, sinful, awful actions of a few. The cops that I know personally are heroes that stand up for justice. And so my heart hurts for them as well. And what else? The harmful, violent protests, they're just wrong. I'm okay with peaceful protesting. That is a right that we all have. But when it turns violent, abusive, destructive, I I don't even know how to make sense of that. When I wake up and I see what happened in Grand Rapids last night, two minutes from where I lived for six years, my heart aches. We see that violence brings more violence. And so my heart is aching today, this morning, this week, for this land that cries out for things to be made right because things as they are right now are so broken. And yet we as Christians, this is no new truth to us. We know we live in a sinful and broken world. And this is not the kind of world we were created for. This is not the kind of world that I want or you want for my sons and daughter, or any of ours. So what can we do? As Christians, we are called to be peacemakers in this world. That means we can acknowledge the ways that perhaps we have played some part in causing division, either intentionally or also not, either by our words or in our silence. So what we can do is we can listen, we can love, we can serve, even sacrifice. We can help, we can speak up, we can be gentle, nuanced voices of peace and harmony in this broken world. Because in the midst of it all, we as Jesus followers know we have hope Because our hope is Jesus Christ, a living hope. So I invite you. I invite you to join me in seeking the shalom, seeking the peace of God for our community, to share the peace that surpasses all understanding with this world by doing our part with what words and prayers and actions of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control, faithfulness that we have. And while we wade into the harshness of the world, what do we do? We cling to the joy of the Lord, for that is our strength. For he is even now at work to make all things right. He mourns with those who mourns. He weeps with those who weep. And he neither slumbers nor sleeps, for he is always at work for the good of his people. Are you willing to join me in seeking the shalom of our community, seeking the shalom of our neighbors, of our world. I hope you will. I pray that you will. That is our calling as Christ followers and joy bringers and peace makers. I do hope and pray you hear my heart on this. I know this is a difficult topic. I know some of you may think that the church is no place to talk about this. I know some of us just want an escape from all of this. But honestly, we must, I humbly submit, that we must talk about this kind of thing in church. Because we have what the world needs. Jesus Christ is here, and he calls us Not to be outside of the world, but to be in the world. Not of the world, but in it, to influence it. So we must also know what's going on in the world. Okay. Yeah. So I say, come Lord Jesus, and make all things right. Okay, are we good? Are we good to move on? We're still talking about this, but um, we are going to move forward. So today, what are we going to talk about? Philippians 2. We are talking about unity in the face of disunity, in the face of division, the face of injustice, and how our experience of joy will never be complete when there is division. God works in wonderful and mysterious ways. This passage was picked out a month ago for us to talk about and look at where we find ourselves now. So who here needs a little bit of good news today? I do. Say with me if you do, I do. (laughs) Because we are gonna open our Bibles to Philippians 2. uh, And I'm gonna read from Philippians 2, one through five for starters, and we'll, we'll go a little bit further from that as well i'm reading from the esv today um, and i'd love for you to follow on with us so here we go hear and receive god's word today so if there is any encouragement in christ any comfort from love any participation in the spirit any affection and sympathy complete my joy By being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and in one mind. So do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul starts our passage today by saying, uh, if there is any encouragement, and then he uses any, you know, if there's any love or participation of spirit, any affection, sympathy. He says those words in kind of a creative way. Uh, when you dig in deep and when you know Paul, he knows and we know and the church in Philippi know that, you know, these conditions are indeed true. So another way to read it is this, because there is encouragement in Christ, because of comfort in love and from love, the participation that we do have in spirit and affection and sympathy, because these things are true, then complete my joy. And that phrase is interesting to me, complete my joy. It shows us that Paul's joy and honestly our joy cannot be complete if there is no unity and paul uses these two verses to show that because of the comfort uh, and the encouragement that we have uh, provided by love through christ then our response is to be like-minded now in a world so divided the church must be united To bring a unifying message of peace. Our joy, then, will never be complete while there is division. We won't be able to experience the fullness of joy until we do some work. Like it says in Psalm 133, verse 1, How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Oh, how good and pleasant it is. But that word, when, troubles me. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity, suggesting we do not always live together in unity. And you and I both know that's true because we are humans. And we hate disharmony when it is close to us oh we hate it sure some of you maybe um, have people in your lives that you think just love to argue and fight my encouragement to you is unless you want an argument or fight do not say that to those people and we know sometimes in church because the church is a group of people that we have disharmony or disagreements sometimes within the church Sometimes over big things like doctrine and, and, how, and theology and how we view God. Other times it's over smaller things like pews or chairs or the color of the carpet or if the pastor wears jeans or not. I'm wearing jeans today. I hope you'll forgive me and love me still. And yet Paul continues on. He implores us to let go of our selfish nature. And our conceit, and to humble ourselves, to view others as God views them, to view them as as more significant than ourselves, not by lessening our view of ourselves, but by increasing our view of others. And then he tells them, and he tells us, to be of the same mind which is ours in Christ Jesus. You see, it's ours. That means it is a choice to have the same mind because it is already ours for the taking. We have to choose it, however. So the word used for being like-minded that we like to use is harmony. You guys know harmony. It's when you hear or you sing in harmony. It's a musical term. And oh man, how I wish we could be singing together right now today. Harmonies and Singing together, it's beautiful. Just think of our choir when Ellison and Amy and others from the praise band who actually can sing, unlike me, come together and they join their voices. It's beautiful. And this is the amazing thing. I don't, don't, don't miss this point. Being like-minded, being in harmony is not where everyone believes the exact same thing about everything, no. It's where we can come together with different viewpoints and still love one another, like a family, and still talk openly, honestly, and humbly about those things together, seeking the things of unity, purity, and peace. That is what harmony is. In music, we know it's different parts. Alto, bass, tenor, soprano. And they all join together to make one thing of beauty. Honestly, I think our church does pretty well with this. In general, we are a pretty harmonious congregation. Yeah, we have opinions. Yes, I've heard some opinions. Yes, I've shared some opinions. But in general, we seek to share those in love. And in general, when we don't, we often will recognize it and seek to make it right. So I commend us in that, but also challenge us and encourage us to continue to step forward on that path. And so we desire this harmony. For we were created for harmony. God created us to be at peace with Him and with one another. But that was broken with sin, and this world is broken. So, in our quest for harmony, how do we find our note? Well, generally, we look to Sarah to direct us. Sarah, our choir director. Uh, But in this case, we have another conductor. Uh, Check it out. It's in this passage for us. Paul tells us. It is through. uh, The way he describes it, I think it's one of the most beautiful and succinct passages on, on Christ and what he came to do in verses 6 through 11. And it's also our call here's what unites us and allows us to find our place to bringing harmony it is our call to be like jesus christ who though he was in the form of god did not count equality with god a thing to be grasped oh talk about humility he then emptied himself That is, complete surrender and sacrifice by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself in the greatest act of humility ever by becoming obedient in the greatest act of obedience ever to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. And what is that name? Will you say it? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. In heaven and on earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father, hallelujah. Hallelujah. after hearing that, I don't know about you. I am ready to punch the devil in his face. I am ready to go to work. That is beautiful. Never forget how amazing our God is. Never forget in the noise of the world, the focus of our faith, of what he has done for you. In the midst of this chaos, God is constant. He remains. God does not change. He is Lord. He is the Lord of all. And he is amazing. He is steady. He is our peace, our comfort, and our guide. And he loves you. He cares for you. He hurts when we hurt. He is close to the brokenhearted. And someday he will come again to wipe every tear from every eye. What is it that God desires from us? He desires relationship. He desires us to seek to be like him, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with him, seeking to be like Jesus, doing the things of God, all for God. Because in this world, This world that so desperately needs the gift and the goodness and the peace and the hope of God. This, my friends, is a call to obedience. Just as Paul says in verse 12, we are called to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. You know, as a kid growing up and everything i was like fear and trembling what in the world does that mean what i'm coming to understand is that fear and trembling here in this passage it refers to having this deep understanding of the legitimate power and temptation of sin as well as having a healthy and a holy reverence of god And to work out our salvation means it's how we live our lives in response to the good news of Jesus Christ. It is our act of becoming more like him in what we say and what we do. And what this world needs right now, what it has always needed, is the light and the love of Jesus Christ. Earlier, we named racism and the events surrounding it as one area of disunity in our world. You and I know that is just one piece of the puzzle. There is so much more causing disunity in this world. So I want to hear from you. Throw it out there. What else is causing disunity, big or small? Give us some examples. I would love to hear you drop those in the comments. What is causing disunity in this world? And as you're putting those in, I think another one that is directly in the face of us right now is the coronavirus. We all There are so many different views and different beliefs, uh, with a deep entrenchment on both sides of those things. There are strong views on even how and when and why church should once again gather together physically. And I understand that completely. That's just one example of disunity. What else is there out there? Because you see, Satan lives and thrives in disharmony. He is the destroyer and the liar. He will do all he can to cause disruption. So yes, he will work in the greed. Yes, he will stoke fear every chance he gets. He will absolutely use politics. He will use anything at his disposal as a weapon against the good things of God. But here's the news, the good news. Our Lord God is the God of reconciliation. He makes things whole. He can fix those that are unfixable. That is our God. And that is Jesus' ministry, his ongoing ministry. He came with a ministry of healing and reconciliation to make things that were out of harmony back in harmony to make things right between God and man giving us and his great commission to continue that very same ministry of reconciliation in and for the world and this is the reality right now there are a lot a lot a lot of strong opinions floating around in the world Another word, word for strong opinions is complaining or grumbling or disrupting, as our text talks about. It is very hard to bring reconciliation when we are too busy complaining. And this is something we are all guilty of. I confess it myself here. I am guilty of complaining and adding my voice to that, that loud choir that is not in harmony. Especially while we are all stuck inside going completely crazy in isolation and the world quite literally burns around us. We have strong opinions about what the president should or shouldn't do. Strong opinions about what our governor should or shouldn't do or our state. Whether people should wear masks or not. If we're blowing this way out of proportion or not. Maybe you're complaining right now about my message that this is too political or something, or it's carrying on too long and you're ready for lunch. Whatever it is, our strong opinions are causing others to be dismissive and divisive for others. But we, as a church, are called to care for people. Few things. That, yes, are similar to ours, but also people on the other side of things. We're called to care for people regardless of their views. So the hard, ooh, gut punch question is this. Is what we are saying, what we are sharing, what we are proclaiming destructive and dismissive towards, you know, the people over there on the other side? Because if so, I submit to you, there is a better way towards peace. There is a better way. See what it says in verse 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. This is where the rubber hits the road, and this is the hard, hard point for a lot of us. It's hard work to do this. Something that may be helpful for us as we consider this is this. There is a difference between having a strong conviction and having a strong opinion of something. See, conviction comes from the Holy Spirit. It is when it's about things of God and things that in prayerful consideration, seeking God's wisdom and path and, and holding up to him to, to search if there's any wrong way within us and to have God lead us in the way of everlasting life. It is when We feel the Spirit pressing something upon us, and so we are convicted. But opinions come from other sources. And it is okay to have opinions. I'm not saying we can't have opinions about anything. No, 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 no. Don't, don't hear that. I mean, I have a lot of opinions. Some examples. A good quality pair of shoes is one of the best investment a person can make in their lives. Invest in an expensive, quality, supportive pair of shoes, and that will... Increase your well-being in several ways or another opinion. I carry every person ought to own a pocket knife Or um, Here's another uh, opinion cottage cheese or greek yogurt are just disgusting Those are opinions I hold Now I try not to hold that against anyone or to share them in a way that may be dismissive or disruptive That last one there especially maybe was I apologize. Forgive me. I repent of that before you and god today See, it's okay to have opinions. It is not okay to hold onto those things so tightly that we fight for them at the harm of someone else, or we are so unwilling to consider that our opinions might be a little bit off-center, or might be just a little bit wrong, or grounded in things that are not true. But convictions are things for us to hold onto tightly. For those are the things that are from God and about the things of God. We hold tightly to them. And yet, the way we fight for them is not through violence, through uh, violent actions or words or destruction or things that tear down. No, we fight for them with the weapons of God, which is grace and humility and his word, both being read and then soaking within us and then being spoken out of us we fight with humility with Christ like presence that is what sets us apart so that we may be the shining light in this wicked generation and i say this before you i confess this before you all today there are plenty of things that i that i see that are actual opinions but i act like they are convictions and we, as the people of God, need to bring that before him and humbly submit ourselves to him and ask the Spirit to reveal to us where we are holding on to opinions so tightly, believing their convictions when they're not. And I'm guessing I'm not the only one that does that. And when we hold on to opinions too tightly, it causes us to share our opinions in unhealthy ways instead of helpful, constructive ways which really is just another form of disputing, or grumbling, or complaining which brings further division. And this is our challenge, our very real-world challenge for us as Jesus followers. We, as Jesus followers, were given the task, the very ministry of Jesus Christ, of healing, hope, and reconciliation in this world. That means we need to lead the way in seeking unity. We are called to be set apart. We are called to stand outside of the chaos around us and be the gentle, peace-bringing voices that point back to God. That's what this last verse that we've read means, when we are to be shining as lights in the world. So how do we seek unity? What do you think? I'd love for you to share some examples that you have rattling around in your brain. When we read this passage, what does it show us? We can seek unity through Christ-like humility. Humility, especially Christ-like humility is completely countercultural. It is not the way of this world, and that's what makes it so beautiful and so needed and so important. So how might we share what we believe out of humility? How might we seek understanding with humility? How might we treat people differently than us with humility? How might we acknowledge where we have been wrong in our lives with humility? How might we do all things with humility? Where do you need today to act humbly in your life? This week, let's go to God together and press in together to seek an extra measure of humility. Now, how else do we seek unity? What's another way? By leading with love. Just as Christ led with love. God had every single reason to treat us terribly. See, we often view justice with a human viewpoint. But if we try and consider it from God's perspective, he didn't have to do anything. He could just wipe us all out. I mean, we chose a life of sin over a life with him. But what did he do? He stayed true to himself. And who is he? He is love. And he entered into a long-standing, long-suffering relationship with a sinful people because of his love. He leads with love. And so we love because God first loved us. It's that simple. And yet, it's sometimes so outside of our comprehension. So we are called to seek unity by leading with love. Part of leading with love it's to be quick to listen, to listen, to seek understanding, not to respond, and to be slow to speak. To be patient and weigh on the Lord, to practice this Christ-like presence. Think of Jesus when he met with the Samaritan woman at the well. His gentleness, his humility, his kindness, his compassion, and still his willingness to speak the truth. In love with her to seek harmony and reconciliation because you and I know this love in itself it is a verb it is an action it is so what will we do we will look after the interests of others We will not be filled with self-seeking ambition. No, we will be like Jesus and in humility, see the value and significance of others. And just as he came to set the captives free and bring hope and healing to all, we will seek to do the same. And we will not grumble and complain and dispute but work together for the things of unity, purity, and peace. For that is what the church ought to be known for. So that in this world that is crying out in the darkness, they may find the light and the life and the hope and the joy and the peace of Christ that is in us as we shine. And what happens when wrongs are made right? What happens when value is restored? What happens when things that were once divided come together again? That thing you feel, it's more than a feeling. It is joy. Joy is what is experienced. Joy comes when wrongs are made right. Joy is made complete. So, Hope Church, because... There is encouragement in Christ because of the endless comfort from love that we have, because of the participation in the Spirit, the affection, and the sympathy. May we complete our joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in full accord and of one mind in Christ Jesus. May we, as Jesus' followers, be joy-bringers as we usher in his peace to this world. To God be the glory, forever and ever, and all God's people say, Amen. Amen. Let's turn our hearts, our minds, our entire beings to God in this moment in prayer. Will you pray with me, please? Almighty God of love and hope and healing and reconciliation, we do come to you today with open and tender and hurting hearts, acknowledging you as the Lord and Savior of the world and everything in it. We proclaim and profess before you today that what is going on in this world is wrong and broken. And we confess before you today that there are times when we try and pave our own way through it instead of seeking your peace and your shalom in the ways you would have us. So today, Lord, we pray that you might convict us of what it is you will have us do, what it is you will have us say, what it is you will have us stop doing and saying, Father. I pray that your Holy Spirit even now reveals to each of us what you will have us do as our next step of action in response to bring harmony to this hurting and broken world. For God, you can and you will make all things right. And you have called us to be a vested part of that. So in the face of racism, we say enough. In the face of injustice against police, we say enough. In the face of all hatred and harm and violence and hurting and brokenness and what is it at the heart, God? But sin, we say enough. We pray for those that are hurting, God. We pray for your love to be made real today. And outside of this, God, we pray for unity, that we may be one in spirit, one in in Jesus Christ, to remember our one baptism and that we are one church and one people unified under you, one true God and King. Our hearts have been heavy, Lord, and yet we know that you draw near. So help us feel you today. For those that have been experiencing loss and remembering the loss of loved ones this past week, for those that are dealing with medical conditions, be it upcoming surgeries or past surgeries they're healing through, for the fear and concern over this coronavirus and the uncertainty of how to live and act, we pray, come, Lord Jesus, and make a way. Fill us with your hope and your joy and your peace today. For we're crying out for it, God, but we know we have it in you. May the world feel your joy in a profound way this week, God. We believe it because you are our God and creator, and in you all things are possible. So may it be done, Lord. We love you. We pray all of this in the power and the authority and the majesty and the might of Jesus' name. Amen.